face and people being amazed how God knows my name. He knows my address. He knows. I love that stuff. But it's a tool. It's for accomplishing a purpose, not just for having fun. So, keys to using prophecy. How many of you want to use prophecy? How many of you want to actually not just have the experience of receiving a prophetic word, but have the experience of seeing it fulfilled? Using the prophecy, 1 Timothy 1, 18 and 19, we're going to read it again. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck. So firstly, I want to point out three things, really. Wage good warfare, having faith, and thirdly would be a good conscience. So wage good warfare. First of all, I love it. Mickey said this at the very beginning of our time here, and we didn't even collaborate. We are in a war. The prophecy that Paul was talking about with Timothy was to wage a war with this prophecy, a lot of us easily get into a place where we forget wholesale that we are in a war. And we're going to talk about some, where I'm going to reference some of the prophecies that God gave to us as a collective body, as a church body. Those, those promises that God made for Border City Church are in the context of a war. In other words, there are spiritual strongholds in the city of Detroit that have set themselves up like poverty. I'm not going to get into that, but I think what God said to us, moving us to South Africa, he's actually fulfilling and going to be fulfilling in this place in Detroit on a greater level. And that other church in South Africa are continuing to walk in that as well. Poverty is a great example. It is a spirit. It is a mindset. It is a belief. It is a life that has set itself up over people in this area. And to see that thing unearthed and broken is a war. There's a war to fight. And we're in war. And we wage warfare when we come up against demonic forces. First in our own life, but then through our life to free and liberate other people. We've got to realize that we're in a war. And... Uh, Chanel said the way that we're going to do these three R's that God's speaking to us restore, rebuild, and release is to do what, what, G, what God says of Jesus in, in the Gospel of John that the Son of Man came to destroy the works of the devil that's warfare terminology so prophecy is a necessary tool for our spiritual war and can I say this the biggest threat to the enemy is, first of all, it is those who know their God. It says that those who know their God shall do uh, great exploits. But can I say, stemming from that, the biggest threat in this war, this battle that we're fighting, the biggest threat to the enemy is not just those who know their God, but those who have come to realize in him who they are. There is something that is released in a person when they... I mean, first, it has to begin with knowing who he is. Mm -hmm. But when you know, and prophecy is one of those mediums that God will reveal to us what he's calling us to. My son, I'm calling you to liberate people who are in bondage to poverty. Uh, or, Or even to me, sitting in this chair last week, Chanel says to me that affirms that I'm supposed to be in real estate. 
And in that moment, anything in me that was kind of wobbling, wondering, you know, God, I'm called to be a pastor. I'm called to, and you've got me over here in real estate. And her saying, God's got kingdom purpose, settled the deal. Sealed it, thank you. And, and, and there's something released when that thing is crossed in your heart and you know who, what God's will is, what God's called you to do, and you stand in that place confidently, it releases power from heaven and you become a threat to the enemy. So, so wage a good warfare, prophecy causes you to stand in your place as a soldier in the battle. Circumstances. Let me just say this, circumstances, the other aspect of waging a good warfare is that circumstances, just as is the case in the story that I just told you that happened in our life, circumstances will come to be the exact opposite of what God promised, oftentimes. And so, you, you know, with us, God's going to open up a door, right? You know, the door behind you hasn't shut, the door in front of you hasn't opened, and God's opening up a door, and what happens after that? it looked like any hope of any door had shut. I don't have, I mean, I'm like rejected, right? Joseph, anybody ever heard of Joseph? No. Son, of, son of Abraham. And, uh, and uh, Isaac, thank you. <laughs> that was weird. Jacob, son of Jacob, anyways. That was strange. Son of Jacob, this, this guy Joseph, he has, he's the last, he's the youngest of the brothers. And he has a d- prophetic dream, and God speaks to him in this dream. And I'm not going to go into all the details, but God basically shows him as having, standing in a place of authority over his 12 brothers. And in his great wisdom, he goes to his father and his 12 brothers the next day and says, Hey, let me show you this dream that I had. I saw all of you bowing down to me. And sometimes older brothers don't take it very kindly when younger brothers say that you're going to be submitted to me. And uh, what do they do? One night, he's having a dream of being in authority over his brothers. The next day, it seems, he's being beaten and tossed into a pit and sold as a slave to Egyptians. Bye-bye, Joseph. Adios. You're out of here. And if you're like me, I'm probably going to be tempted in Joseph's shoes to say, God... Are you still going to do that prophecy? Because it doesn't look like it. I'm a slave. And then not only that, it like gets worse. He goes and he seems to like come up in, in where he is in Egypt and then he gets accused of something and now he's in jail. Not even a slave, he's like a prisoner. And then finally, out of some prophetic skills that God gives him, he's able to interpret a dream and he's able to come and eventually he becomes the right-hand man to Pharaoh in the land of Egypt and in the space of a, of a, uh, of a uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? A drought, thank you. A famine is the word I'm looking for. His family comes looking for food, goes to Egypt, and unbeknownst to them, they find themselves bowing to <laughs> Joseph, looking for help. And in that moment, Joseph is able, is, has his heart purified, he forgives them, and it's this whole reflection of the heart of Jesus but the point is my friends God speaks and I'm sure Joseph felt wonderful about this prophetic promise that he had but what ensues after it sometimes doesn't feel real good doesn't look good and it's the God story God is working a story and it is critical that we cling to God 
in spite of the circumstances, continuing to believe what he said because those who believe will receive the promise. Amen. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. And having said that, let me just <clears throat> point out that that's the very thing that Paul says. Two keys to waging war. Look with me one more time. This, uh, the prophecies previously made concerning you that by them you would wage a good warfare. How do I do that? Having faith and a good conscience. Faith, good conscience. Faith, good conscience. Faith, it was that thing of our journey in 2011 of pressing in, allowing this promise that he's opening up a door to lead to other prophecies that were coming to us where we knew he said he was going to open up a door and we began to pursue that open door even to a point where we had to risk it all and step out into the spiritual no man's land but we were clinging and this prophecy catalyzed a journey that had us lead down to this crazy place where we were clinging and totally desperately dependent on God that's what faith is clinging to everything that he says to navigate your way through what he wants you to do. If you can have faith, you're going to see the war. You're going to see the victory in the war. Having faith. And so, what I would say is nurture, on the back end of receiving prophecy, nurture the sustaining of that faith that got energized inside of you. Because it could be for some of you in this room, maybe even this week, my friend here, Tamora, she had an amazing prophetic thing spoken over her. I was thinking, all right, I like this. The next day, it seems, like all sorts of cray-cray. Yeah. I mean, crazy. And I'm just thinking, yep, this is how it works. And it's oddly encouraging, because you realize, I'm a threat. I've caught into something in God that there's a threat and he is allowing me to walk through this so that I can have a chance for my faith to go deeper, cling to him more fully, and see the fulfillment of the promise. Ah. Faith and a good conscience. What's a good conscience? It all gets down to this issue of compromise. This thing, this God story, it's all about a relationship. It's all, at the end of the day, it's all about a relationship, relationship with God. It's a God story. It's following him. That, and, it, and he rarely makes sense when he calls us to obedience. It's following him, and in that, we learn to love him more than our circumstances or love him more than stuff making sense and being comfortable. And when we enter into that place, he works his story through it. But when we compromise in our heart and say, well... You know, I don't have to actually step out of the boat. I could still be a good churchgoer and continue to work for this organization because after all, I'm sure God wants me to take care of my children, right? I mean, I need to provide for my kids. So I could still be a tithing, churchgoing Christian and continue. And I'm just not going to step outside of the boat and like, you know, God's going to, oh, oh, you know what? God, if, if God wants me to go through this open door, then God's going to have to open up the open door. I'm saying that because there, I hear oftentimes Christians say, well, if, God, if that's going to happen, God's going to have to do it. Oh, yeah? 
yeah, I mean, he, he is going to have to do it, but your faith is a part of the equation, my friends. Not just like saying, well, if he does it, then I'll do it. No, no, no. He may be doing it, but it's on the back end of you stepping outside of the boat. And if you stay in the boat, you're never going to see it. Compromise. It's that thing when we legitimize unbelief. Where we legitimize unbelief in our heart and embrace it as an acceptable thing. You know when God's speaking, I said I'm going to open up a door. And then I open the Bible and it says, knock and the door shall be opened. And then I get an email from this lady and she says, I feel like God's going to open up a door. And I know that he's saying I'm going to open up a door. But I could compromise and say, well, I mean, you know, maybe there's another interpretation of that that's more suitable to my comforts. (laughs) So compromise. When your heart legitimizes and embraces unbelief, compromise is when you give up or move another direction as a means of self-protecting. So, what are we saying here? Two things. Cling, one, cling to what God speaks even when the opposite happens and allow the prophetic to inspire your pursuit. Inspire you to a journey. And then, I would also say, fight to stay in faith by continuing to trust and by keeping your heart from compromising in unbelief. Fight to stay in that place. When you receive that prophetic word, something is energized inside of your spirit. Faith is born. I I wish I could think of some examples. I can't off the top of my head of things that God spoke to individuals in this room. Faith gets stirred. Faith is born. Fight to keep that thing energized when the circumstances begin to say that prophecy isn't true. Or when your feelings and your environment begin to say everything is, is wrong about that. Fight to stay in that place of Faith. So let's get real practical here. Very quick, we're about to close. But I, I want to give some practical tips. One, tips for how do you apply the prophecy. First, discern, and this is something that Chanel spoke to the leaders in the church, discern what is for now and what isn't for now. So when you consider the prophetic word that you receive, there could be some that's speaking of something that's going to happen in the future, but there could be things in it that would suggest are immediately relevant for right now. And whatever is relevant for now, whatever requires some action on your part now, consider what that is. Does that make sense? So, I mean, maybe I guess you could say the thing to me. She said that I'm supposed to be in real estate. And she said, are you involved in commercial real estate? And I said, well, I kind of found myself being involved in some commercial deals. So I feel like God's going to use you in that as well. And so now, as commercial deals come my way, guess what? I'm not going to think, you know what, I'm more residential. No, I'm going to say, yeah, I have confidence. You, you see what I'm saying? There's a faith that's energized that may require action like this week. Okay, so I want to say there could be in the word something directive that God says to you. Now, if just because Chanel says it doesn't mean that it's Bible, right? right? So it's got a witness in your spirit. You can feel God speaking to you. But if you feel that energy of faith and you can see there's something required, an action step that I need to take, consider what that is. For things that are not necessarily immediate action steps, then you want to hold them before God in prayer and allow them to begin to direct your prayer. God, you said you're going to do this. I'm asking you to do this. Lead me towards that. Begin to make it a part of your journey and watch out what happens. 
What are some of the things that God spoke to the whole church? Because I think this is the, the corporate body of, I mean, the border city church. Three R's, restore, rebuild, and release. I just want to speak this over us again. To, to remind us of who it is that we are. Restore, rebuild, release. Restoring what was lost in this city that is such a profound statement. There's things that have been lost. And I don't believe we're going to restore GM. Thanks, GM. Anyways, it's a other story. Some of you may not know. GM's shutting down some plants in our area. Uh, it's not just about restoring the glory days of Detroit. It's restoring stuff in people's hearts, the stuff of the kingdom of God that has been lost through generations, that God wants to restore his kingdom and his dominion in people so that they live as he lives in this place. Uh, Restore, rebuild, which is similar, rebuilding the kingdom of God where the world and its systems have been set up, that there would be believers in this place and that people come to faith and that they don't just come to faith as in being a church-going Christian, they become a follower of Jesus. And his kingdom begins to be established in their lives as a witness to those around. And finally, release, which is to release heaven into the earth. Release the things of heaven into the earth, which is effectively what prophecy actually is to begin with. But it's laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. It's, it's being able to speak wisdom that, came, that God, that we have received from his spirit as we've followed him. And being able to talk to somebody and release that wisdom into their circumstances. And they say, where did you get this wisdom? Surely God must be with you. Three pictures. So restore, rebuild, release. Three pictures. Gate. That we are to be Gates. Uh, gate, sword, and bridge. Gate, uh, being a gate of heaven into earth. That, that God would we, would, we would be like a gate in this city, and even in the nations. Sword, a two-edged sword on the one side love, and on the other side authority. That we have authority in the city because we love the city. But we don't just love the city, we also are called to have authority. And that God's going to even open up doors for us to have authority even on a decision-making level was what was said. But that comes from us first loving the city. But it doesn't end with love. Love is, in a sense, kind of comfortable for a lot of us. When we have authority and actually step into a place of leadership to, to bring about kingdom influence. And finally, a bridge. A bridge of old Detroit and new Detroit. Old and new cultures. Secular and sacred. Black and white. Rich and poor. A bridge between Jesus, ultimately, and people. This is what we're called to do. Shall we pray? I want to ask that uh, this be a moment right now, right here, of consecration of your heart. Consecration of your heart. The story of God is always about a loving God who sees past all of your sin, sees past all of your, uh, your rebellion and your stubbornness, and it calls you to himself. But it does require not only a loving God who's willing to look past those things, there is a second part. There's a response required from you to say yes, to leave behind your life and to say, I will follow. I will believe. I'm, wherever you go, I will go. This is a moment right now to consecrate your heart, a holy moment where the way you came in is not the same as the way you leave.
that you're not just waiting to see if God's prophecies will come true. You're, you're receiving and saying yes to the invitation to come into his story and to trust him and to believe him. If you want to, to, to do that, I just want to ask you to lift your hands up towards heaven. Even as that prophetic picture came to Kurt this morning, as we lift our hands to heaven and worship, a sword cuts through the tarp in the sky, releasing waters down upon his people. And as that sword goes through it again, it releases light shining upon all people, not even those with their hands raised up. But your lifting your hands in submission and in consecration causes that atmosphere to happen to where because there are believers in this place, he'll pour out his rain and release his light. So if you could just say with me, Father, I consecrate my heart. I say yes to you. Say yes to your promises. To follow you. I leave my own life. And I choose to follow you into your life. In Jesus' name, amen.